You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 6, Episode 1. Carissa, how are you doing today? I'm going to be honest with you. I've had a really weird day, even by uh, correctional chaplaincy standards. It was a weird day. <laughs> how about you? Um... Not quite so weird. Uh, typical pastor stuff, and um, yeah, this was this was more a typical summer day without a lot on the schedule, which is a good thing sometimes. Nice, yeah. It's nice to have those times where you can like sit back and collect your thoughts about like where you're going theologically with sermons and things like that. Vision casting for the organization. Those sorts of things. Yeah. I think the weird part for me was just the extreme hat switching. And that's something that all clergy have to do in in part of their just normal day-to-day lives is switching hats a lot. But I have some of my hats are the same as before. And some of my hats are very different from before. And I had two hats today that were very different from any of the hats that I wore in parish ministry. And so, you know, it was two conversations that were so very different with such completely different sorts of people. And by the time I was halfway through the second conversation, my whole brain is just going, what? Like, what? What does even happen? Like, I couldn't process anything anymore because my brain just had completely fried from the the extreme ends of it all so I think that's one of those things that's going to I'm going to get more used to wearing those hats and switching between those particular hats but yeah I think that's what did it for me it's a whole new kind of code switching for you it it is you know it is a type of code switching to go from meeting with you know other clergy from different faiths and denominations to interacting with this the you know the correctional staff to interacting with the inmates like that those are very different sorts of conversations and i'm playing similar but different roles in each of those conversations so yeah do, do you have to watch your language as much uh oh you mean like because i swear like a sailor in real life uh yes exactly <laughs> because you swear like a sailor in real life if you guys only knew how much I help my tongue on the podcast, I'm actually getting pretty good at it these these days. Um, no, it depends on who I'm with. <laughs> yeah, it depends. For the most part, I try to, in a professional setting, keep it clean. Because that's the professional thing to do. Yeah. Okay. But, but if you, I'm sitting on the porch with a colleague and a bottle of scotch, for, for example, <laughs> you know. You, you'll you'll have to explain to me how that works. I have, uh, that is You've completely foreign to me. You've never experienced that? Oh my no. goodness. Well, mm. I'll have to introduce you to scotch sometime. <laughs> <laughs> no, For those it, of you who are new and just tuning in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, never we, mind. We think, of, we think of scotch in the Hebrew sense. I don't. Uh, where is this going? Scotch is a verb. Oh, it's a... <laughs> yes, it is. It is a verb. Yeah. Porch is also a verb. Yes, yes. And you can scotch and porch at the same time. Yes. With a with a good friend and colleague. Yeah. That's a that's a great idea. I should do that sometime. 
Yeah, we'll have to try it one day. Okay. No, I, I but seriously, you know, I, I, I get the need for professionalism, but I would wonder if at some point you can let the guard down about language just because everybody else in the jail is swearing like a, like a sailor too. Well, what's, what's, yeah. Um, it's not actually as bad as you would think in that regard, hmm. in that environment. Um, and in fact, there are lovely signs um, all about that say things like, hey, use some respectful language. You don't know who you're going to be in an elevator with and uh -huh. stuff like that. So it's actually um, not that bad. But, it, you know, it's different. You interact different ways. You know, for example, we'll joke around often with the correctional officers um and um and so that's kind of like a you know more of a jovial collegial kind mm -hmm. of interaction um whereas you, you don't really want to like joke around joke around with inmates no. you know you might you might laugh if somebody says something funny but that's that's different than you know teasing each other um right. and and not I, I i hate the word teasing because some people use it and they're at, like, what they're doing is actually bullying, but I just mean like kidding yeah. around. Yeah, kidding around. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so those are very different interactions. But if I'm meeting with um, you know clergy of another faith who I've never met before, I'm not going to joke around with them, and I'm definitely not going to swear like a sailor. <laughs> yeah, I can I can see where that one is the same in in either of our contexts. Correct. Oh yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. If you're not Presbyterian clergy, I'm definitely going to clean it up an awful lot for you first before I know you. <laughs> if you're Presbyterian, sorry, you get what you get. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, again, especially if you're in the circle. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's the hat switching is it's weird, um, but it's good. Like I said, there's some of it that is still very much in my wheelhouse and, and things that I'm familiar with. Well, you know. you're you're in that phase though where you have to to pay more attention to everything. It's not like um, not not that either of us have been in a parish ministry call for more than three or four years, but we've been five. In, but go on. You you were <laughs> wait you were in. I was there for nearly five. Yeah. Okay. At my okay. Last one. Mm, time flies. Um, but but even even at two or three years, um, you certainly can go into autopilot at times, mm -hmm. and and in autopilot you can unintentionally close yourself off to important things that are happening around you. Yes, and you are way too fresh on this job. Oh yeah, to be, to be doing any kind of autopilot. Yeah. Yeah, and arguably, you know, the jail is probably a bad place to ever be on autopilot, but mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know that there will ever be a non-autopilot time, which, quite frankly, for for me and my level of um, both mental and physical energy, um, that's probably for the best. That's mm. uh, probably a good thing. So, it, yeah. it'll, so It'll keep you from trying to take on six million projects while you're there? I mean, one can hope. <laughs> Um, and you, I mean, you're doing some, some sort of change as well. I've been in a doctoral program for almost two years now, um, believe it or not. Uh, I've been through most of my seminar coursework at this point. 
Um, mine is in missional leadership, um, but you've just undergone a, a doctorate journey as well. And yours is in a slightly different, there are different uh, tracks within Doctor of Ministry Studies. Yeah, I've, I have undertaken. What did I say? Undergone. Past tense. Oh, undergone. <laughs> that almost sounds like someone did it to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, almost, almost. Yeah, which which is probably choice. accurate for a lot of doctoral work. But yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so my my cohort is structured around creative writing and public theology, and that is a very nebulous. Uh, classification to, I mean to yeah and to be fair missional leadership is kind of nebulous too right um, but yeah. there is a kind of a subtle difference between the two as well there's like these very public dimensions of each of them but in a different way yeah I mean when I hear missional leadership I, I hear the um, the statement of vocation that I hear is uh, that you are preparing yourself to lead your congregation into the mission field in some way, shape, or form. That I hear that there is a focus on the parish and uh, it is it is not the unhealthy hey, pastor, you go be our missional leader and you go engage in missions and tell us all about it and we'll pay your salary and that's how we participate in mission. Like, I'm not hearing that. That's completely unhealthy. What I'm hearing is a program that preps you to prep your congregation. Yeah, or in my case, um, my my staff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, what does it mean to be missional? And so it's not necessarily parish focused, um, but more how do you how do you help engage people in living out the gospel in the world around them? Yeah. How do you help others be publicly faithful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And engage in in public ways. Exactly, exactly. Whereas with creative writing and public theology, it's more of a focus on um, maybe like the written and spoken word that yeah. is the witness yes. that is being carried out. Uh, yes, and, and it's one of those things that, um, you know, the, the first step for everybody in the program is to define public theology or define what is a public theologian. And there are lots and lots of examples of that. And at, at its core, I think all of us who are engaged in parish ministry are semi-public. You know, our, our regularly scheduled services of worship are open to anybody who wants to come in. Now, for me, that's kind of limited to the people who can drive to First Presbyterian Church Freehold, New Jersey on a Sunday morning. But in these pandemic times, that has that definition has been uh, expanded greatly as so many of our congregations have gone online for worship. 
Yeah, it, re it really has changed. And I think everyone's had to do a, a study of their own vocation. Um, and I don't think that's true just of, of clergy. You know, you've got two clergy here. And so that's the lens through which we see the world. But, you know, in, in our tradition, we believe that everyone is given a vocation and everyone is given a calling. So vocation is how you do what you are called to do. Our vocation is as clergy and there's even differences within that. It, it, it is it is quite literally what is our voice. Yes, exactly, exactly. And so for those of you who may not be vocational clergy, um, you still have a voice, you still have a vocation in the world in whatever you're doing. And um, there are ways to be publicly faithful in that. I, I wonder, too, if many of our congregants have gotten so used to a mode of worship in which their voices were strictly limited to... Uh, the liturgies on Sunday morning and the hymns on Sunday morning. And in this time of pandemic, that didn't, that space wasn't there. Mm. And some pastors who have been more attuned to this have preached messages of using your voice in different ways. And I wonder if that tension is what we are seeing. I wonder if the conflict that we have seen in some of our congregations is that conflict between pastor is telling me I have this voice to use, but I can't use my voice in the ways that I've always used it in the past, and I'm really uncomfortable. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Soft Idolatry. We'll see you next week. I <laughs> wow. Um, that was good. That was, uh, that's, uh, you know, and I try to avoid saying that to you as often as possible because I don't want you to let it go to your head. But that was actually quite profound. Um, I think you're exactly right on that. There, a lot of people have not had the voice that they're used to, and we're all constantly reassessing, reevaluating, reworking the way that we do life. Just when you get used to working from home and figuring out how to do that, suddenly you're like in the office part time again, and there's just all this stuff going on. And um, what a strange, strange time to be doing pretty much anything at all um, any sort of, of job. So I, I think you're absolutely right on that. And people will find ways to have a voice, right? Social media has blown up with people having a voice for better or for worse over the past year and a half. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that that's really, it's, it's like, um, it's an aneurysm right it's it's like squeezing a balloon and looking at the bulges in between where your hands are um and social media i mean social media was bad beforehand but it has gotten worse mm -hmm. uh way worse because there has literally been no other outlet for many people's voices mm-hmm 
Yeah. And I, I think that I think that that's problematic in the church as a whole or any faith community when only a few people have a voice all the time. Um, we're, we're not called to be like that. We're called to, to be with each other in real and tangible ways and to hear each other. And I think we're going to talk about, um, some of the, some of that a little bit more next week, um, in hearing and listening and, and sharing stories and things. But, um, one thing I, I love about this new season, um, not, I've loved parish ministry. I love preaching. I love being a pastor. I just love it a lot. But this new season um, has offered us the opportunity to start worshiping primarily at our home church again, which is um, great for my family. Um, my, you know, if anyone from my previous congregations is listening, because I know there's a few of you, please, please don't take this the wrong way. Hear this the way I'm saying it. Um, but my kids have grown up in churches without kids, and that's unfair to them. And um, that's been really heartbreaking for us to see that happen. And uh, there's never really been a place for my for my spouse in the congregations that we've been at either. Um, he's kind of a fish out of water. <laughs> um, he's a fish out of water in a lot of places, to be fair. Like, it's really kind of hard to find him a lake that works. But um, that's an <laughs> another podcast for another day or possibly session with a therapist but um, (laughs) that's where I was gonna file that one yes (laughs) yeah Um, but all that all that to say it as our kids are you know our youngest two are late middle school early high school soon to both be in high school um, it's a good season to be back in our home church where there's a million kids their age Um, we're like some of the old people there, right? <laughs> um, and um, the way that that church is organized is so very different than most of our churches. And that's done very purposefully in order to make sure everybody has a voice. Hmm. Um, the last time I preached there, uh, um, I was off for a week or two and I, I preached there one week and um, there was a homeless guy who had a rap to share for the congregation that day. And the pastor was like, I have no idea what he's going to say, but you know, he's legit. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I preached my sermon and then a homeless guy rapped right after me. So like we had equal voice and it was beautiful. Like that's, you know, it was a beautiful, beautiful moment. And I actually remember the rap actually like worked well with the sermon and everything too. So the Holy spirit was, was working her, her magic. But, um, and now they've got, you know, the, the pastor there now is part-time, very part-time. Um, and there's a preaching rotation. He doesn't preach every week. A lot of churches that are trying to make do with a quarter-time pastor want their pastor to preach every week. Well, guess what you're getting? You're getting a pastor that preaches every week and doesn't do anything else. If you want them to do something else, put somebody else in the pulpit those other weeks. And so there's a rotation with the the pastor emeritus who's retired, who preaches sometimes, and there's elders that fill in and preach sometimes. I'm sure I'm going to get looped into the preaching circle, which is fine. That's a gift I have that I can share. And, and you know, the worship teams rotate around all of the time. At the beginning of the service, people are asked to share family news and birthdays. and And so everybody has a voice. And I think that's what works there so well as bizarre and quirky and strange and sometimes irritating to the presbytery that that odd congregation can be. 
that's why it works is everybody has a voice. Well, and, and I wonder too, if, um, you know, th this is the, the legacy that we have of segmenting so many things and saying, oh, that's pastor's job. And, yeah. uh, you know, oh, we'll, we'll hire someone to do that other thing or that other thing. Mm -hmm. And so we don't have any generalists or we don't have people who are willing to do things um, or people who feel that because they're not a professional in X, Y, or Z, that they can't be involved in X, Y, or Z. Exactly, exactly. Um, but And we're all called to live our faith, you know? We're, we're all called to faith, right? Um, and, and faith being an active thing. Right. Not just willing yourself to believe some crazy stories in an old book. That's not faith. That's ridiculous. Um, that's a whole other thing. Um, but actively being faithful, um, working with God and looking for God in the world around you like that. That is that is faithful life. Faithful life is active. Um, and we're called to do that in public ways to spread the gospel. Yeah, and so that's uh, that kind of loops back to the doctoral program that I'm working on because I think one of the things about public theology is that it's the theology we practice outside of the traditionally defined theological spaces. You know, I am... On a Sunday morning, I am limited by a number of things. I am first and foremost limited by the number of people who can physically make it to 118 West Main Street, Freehold, New Jersey. In case anybody wants to show up. In Sunday, case anybody wants to show out. up. <laughs> uh, I am also limited by the roughly... 15 minutes or so that I have to deliver the sermon. I am limited by the expectations that my congregation has for my sermon. I am limited by the things that my congregation can hear, uh, the things that I can say up to a, I can speak a certain truth up to a point and then they can't hear me any longer. And, uh, Yes, I do believe that we should push our congregations from time to time, but you can only push so far before you get some degree of uh, rebellion or disinterest or people just tuning out. The other thing, of course, and this is a very good constraint, uh, is Sunday morning, my job is specifically to teach about the text, about the word from scripture that was proclaimed in worship. So I am conf uh, constrained to, uh, to teach on, you know, somewhere between six and 30 lines of scripture that have been read in worship. And, and so public theology is theology that takes place outside of that clearly defined and easily anticipated space for theology. 
So here's my question to you. Um, in this new season, moving forward, we want to be a little more overt about our call out of soft idolatry. Yeah, right. I, I assume most of you who are listening right now are, are, are not out like dancing around the Asherah pole or anything like that. Um, if you are, you know. First of all, bonus don't. points for knowing what an Asherah pole is if you're not one of the two podcasters here. Right, right. And uh, secondly, don't do that. Um, that That's not advisable according to our tradition. So, um yeah, but uh, so so what do you think then are the what's the idolatry here? Why don't we why don't we do why don't we live out our faith in these public ways, regardless of what our vocation is? What gets in our way? Well, I think one of the first things that gets in our way is uh, as it, in my case, as a parish minister, I need to keep getting a paycheck yes yeah and if i start preaching sermons that don't reach anyone in the pews you ain't getting eventually paid. Yeah, yeah eventually i ain't getting paid um if i preach a lot of sermons that really upset a bunch of people uh, i might still get paid but those people might stop mm -hmm. um stop their their stewardship of the congregation and the congregation might be like eh, we love you but we can't afford you anymore right right so th there is that pressure that's always there uh there are also the pressures of again just the 15 minute sermon there are degrees of nuance and uh, and subtlety and argument that you can't put into that 15-minute sermon. And it doesn't mean it's always 15 minutes every Sunday. It could be 12 minutes one Sunday. It could be 22 minutes the next Sunday. Just but not on a football Sunday. Just not on a football Sunday. Well, we, we worship at 10 o'clock, so there is oh, actually time. time. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah, we're good there. Yeah. Um, speaking of idolatry. but <laughs> that's, a, that's a podcast for a whole other day. I have a few things to talk about there. <laughs> say, 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 says the guy who, uh, you know, makes a point of, of finishing up all conversations after worship by 1130 so that he can get to the restaurant in Red Bank that has the Steelers games. Um <laughs> But but uh, but seriously, um, I, I think also just the I the creative writing aspect of this uh, demon cohort is something that just uh, grabbed me by the collar and wouldn't let me go. I have always had this urge to create, to tell stories. And I have pursued that at times, but not always. And the stories that I have to tell are not always stories that are directly teaching about scripture. So I am always looking for Nah, maybe not always looking for, but I am now looking for other venues to 
tell stories which can be a can be an expression of faith can be a practical theology of sorts so um, i think what i'm hearing in this long thread of not naming an idol i think what i'm hearing is the idol perhaps is uh the preconceived notion of what theology looks like right i i think that's a that's a very good um a good way to look at it in in the context of our podcast yeah because um, we, we go ahead we we are in parish ministry we are kind of limited by the ways in which people seek theology we only see the people on sunday morning who are seeking church service theology well and then the question becomes um and this is the missional leadership uh, person talking here. The question then becomes, um, are we do if we are constrained to publicly theologizing, theologizing, woo, that was a hard one to get out today, theologizing, to people who are already seeking it out in a particular format, um, are we really living out? the gospel charge to take the message to the entire world and how do we equip people to go do that then right and 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 i think i think there we're talking a little less about idolatry and a lot more about autopilot um we're we're just doing the things we expect to do Mm -hmm. i you know i know that we've done in my local clergy group, we have done some public theology, but again, we're still limited by the fact that the people who know that we're doing public theology are the members of our congregations. Yeah. Uh, we used to do this series um, <laughs> called Pub Theology, where we would have panel discussions at a local uh, restaurant and uh, you know, the people who came were members of our congregations or friends of our members who our members said, hey, I know you're not interested in coming with me to worship, but my pastor is uh, speaking at this thing tonight over at the local watering hole, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. You want to come and join me? Nice. Nice. Yeah, I so, think there's ways that we can start to expand that a little bit and break out of those set ways of thinking yes and and i think that gets to our vow to um uh uh, how how does how does that ordination vow go about uh, energy imagination intelligence and love is how we yes energy imagination intelligence and love i love that that's my favorite question yeah. Yes, and those, and, and that's that is also part of my call for uh, public theology. Is I am looking to carry that service outside of the walls of my mm-hmm. congregation, and the the way that I will do it is through my writing and speaking. Those are, mm-hmm. I believe, my greatest gifts. Uh, I, I might 
I might put my thinking in there too, because of course the thinking most of the time goes before the writing and speaking. Most of the time. <laughs> Not always, but most of the time, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, so, so uh, th- those are my greatest gifts and I am seeking the training to basically expand my, uh, my canvas for all of those things. Yeah. yeah so I think, um, you know, for those who, who, again, who aren't theology or doctoral study students or, or clergy or anything like that, um, I think that the, the message becomes don't let the ways you've been told evangelism or spreading the gospel or being faithful publicly or any of that. Don't let those, the old models become idols to you in such a way that um, things become stale and the message is not being sent out. Um, You know, don't let um, professional ministry become an idol to you, whether you're a professional minister. I know professional ministers who that has become an idol to them. Um, They've become an idol to themselves. Um, But also, if you're a lay person, don't let professional clergy be an idol. Like, you can preach too. You can be upfront too. Like, you are called to be a part of the, the governing and functioning of your faith community and a witness to it out in the world around you. Your, your pastor, your rabbi, your imam, they cannot do that on their own. They need you to help do that. I'm getting really good at using like lots of different words for lots of things now because that's like 80% of my job now is <laughs> remembering that we're not all Presbyterians. Um, even though we all should be, guys. I mean, let's be real. Um, you, you had your bowl of synonym toast crunch this morning. <laughs> I did have my bowl of synonym toast crunch this morning. Um, but, like, don't let that become an idol to you to the point where you are not participating in your call to mission and to public theology. And that's going to look different for all of you. For some of you, that might mean advocacy in the streets. Get out there and protest and stand up for people's rights. For some of you, that might mean volunteering for the chaplaincy office at your local county jail. Call me if you want to do that. Um, For some of you, that might mean preaching in your own congregation or um, doing pastoral care um, to alleviate some of that from your pastor. Uh, For some of you, that might mean being a really awesome and compassionate teacher in a school nobody wants to teach in because the kids are those kids, you know. So it can take a lot of different uh, shapes. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think that kind of sums it up. Uh, if you feel yourself on autopilot, start looking for a place to land and start having some conversations with mm-hmm. people about where where else your calling might be yeah where where might your voice best be used and whose voice isn't being heard perhaps Mm. yeah um all right well uh next time we're gonna i think we're gonna dig a little more into like the listening part of voices um so we'll, we'll be back with you again next week you want to offer a blessing alan I was I was going to let you offer a blessing. Oh, great. Cool. I don't usually get to do that. Neat. I think usually you take that. 
So I'll do it this week with joy. Uh, well, friends, uh, go forth into the world being faithful and being faithful in ways that affect and touch other people. Use your voice, every opportunity you have to use it, even in those opportunities that don't look like you think they should or would, but rather let them be what God says they can be. Go forth in grace and peace to love and serve God by loving and serving one another. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.